Good morning, everybody. Can you all hear me okay? All right. Well, thanks for being here. And I, I'm just going to start in this place. You think that you saw something in the bulletin. You think that you um, signed up for this or just heard the call or just thought you'd hang around. But I'm here to tell you, you didn't. You were called here. You're here because you've been called. And I think that's, that's one of the things. Is it better if I speak back here? Okay. You've been called here. You, you didn't just see something in the bulletin. You didn't just feel the urge to just hang around after mass and see what was gonna happen. You've been called. And I think one of the things that's unfortunate with our era of humans is we don't realize the mystical connection we have with our own Jesus, who's worked so hard to be here, and we're gonna find out beginning tomorrow all the way through Easter, in new ways we've never really thought of before, because every Easter is different, because we're different, because the Holy Spirit moves with us. We are not the same as we were a year ago. We are not the same as we were yesterday. When you hear this scripture, this reading from Ezekiel, you heard it today, and you heard it differently than the last time you, you, you got that passage from the Holy Spirit because you've moved, it's moved with you. This, the pastor of my church over in um, Alton, Father Yule, he said when he was in seminary, his professor, one of his professors held up the Bible and he said, this is not a book, this is a place. It's where the incarnate word is gonna come from. By the way, that's my old parish in Chesterfield. Little shout out. It's, it's, these words are alive. They have walked with you. And today, the Holy Spirit has called you to be here. And I don't know why, and maybe you don't know why. I bet you don't know why. Some of it, of course, is to learn more about divine mercy. But there are other purposes, because the Lord's tricky like that. <laughs> and he has a plan for what you're going to be doing with whatever the Holy Spirit gives you today from this message. So my name is Mike Roberts. I am still a meteorologist. I still have a forecast that I do for Covenant Catholic Radio and for the radio station in Alton. Spent a lot of time yesterday talking about severe weather. And it's sort of been, I guess, one of the things the Lord wants me to discuss is those things that nobody else really wants to talk about. <laughs> That's why he sent me to Alton Catholic High School and uh, I mean Marquette Catholic High School in Alton to talk to teenagers because every day I got to bring them stuff they don't really want to hear about. What I had done in 2016, you may remember the, the retirement of Cindy Pressler and I, we were given one of those retirement options that wasn't really a, a retirement option, but we took it. And after that, I worked in senior care for a little while. And then two years ago, I decided I was gonna completely retire and called up a friend of mine from my parish over in Alton and he sells insurance. And I said, you know what? I think I'm gonna completely walk away from everything. And he was selling me some supplemental insurance. 
About a week later, he calls me and he says, you know, Mike, I'm on the board at Marquette Catholic High School. Do you think he'd be interested in teaching theology? And I, I remember saying, uh, no, <laughs> because I'm retiring. Remember, I called you, but I said, well, let me pray about it. And then over the summer, I didn't hear from those guys all summer, four days before school starts. Now they want me to come and teach. And I thought, oh, that's okay. It's a little Catholic high school. I mean, how big could these classes be? Hello. There are, <laughs> I have like 120 students. I have six classes, four junior classes. The first semester is Christian morality. So I get to tell them all the stuff their parents have not really wanted to tell them or have told them. And, but oh my God, it is a beautiful journey. It's hard as heck. And every day they do try to kill me. But I, um, I just, I'm just, I, I was talking to Chris Higgins over at Channel 2 not long ago, because for a long time I had a class at St. Louis University in broadcast meteorology. Well, he's teaching it now. And for like 12 years I had that. And I, he asked me how I like this. I said, well, I get, to, I get to work in my faith all day. So this journey with divine mercy. I have a friend of mine uh, that I know from Incarnate Word going back 20 years, and that's about when my journey with divine mercy started. My late wife and I at Incarnate Word, we were, um, we were among the, the first folks to, to start using the new Ador Adoration Chapel at Incarnate Word. And Father, uh, well now Bishop Herman, at the time he was our pastor, started this, this lovely little, um, Adoration Chapel at Incarnate Word. And so Ann and I signed up and we went and I was just one night, I was just looking for something to read because our hours were like one to two in the morning on a Tuesday. And I find this little pamphlet by some nun I'd never heard of, St. Faustina, and I started reading it. A couple, three weeks into this, I thought, you know, these bold, bold letters, this is supposed to be Jesus talking to a nun in Poland before World War II. I better pray and see if I'm, if, the, if I can accept this. I did, I could. I was doing a school talk like a week later over in Belleville and I stopped by Our Lady of the Snows and I'll be darned, I walked in there. They sell these things. I bought my first diary in 2002. This is about my sixth or seventh one. Because what happens is you, you buy these things, you don't read it. You, you kind of, it walks with you, it speaks to you. And I, you'll, you'll get on a paragraph, I'm gonna share some paragraphs with you that I've been stuck on for 20 years. You just go back and back and back. And it, it's active, the Holy Spirit's in here as well. And so this moves with me. I use this now. I have four, senior four junior classes and, and one, I'm sorry, five, okay, I don't know. I have five junior classes and one senior class, but the senior class is in Divine Mercy. It's like a prayer group. It's the coolest thing. They are, they're just awesome. It's, it's a wonderful thing to be in the last weeks of your senior year uh, with Divine Mercy. But anyway, so now I'm ready to start. This journey of Divine Mercy comes from St. Faustina. St. Faustina is a prophet. I think she has the stuff of being a doctor of the church. 
A friend of mine who's a priest says, uh, no, but she is a prophet. And she's a prophet for her own time. She's a prophet for the 20th century. She's a prophet for our time, because that's how prophets are. They bring us a new dimension to the faith journey for the, for the moments that the generations that hear in that prophet's time and afterwards. And as with all prophets, these messages aren't necessarily always readily accepted. Now, St. Faustina's was initially, but it was buried in the 1950s and until St. Pope John Paul II became the Pope. So I'm gonna work my way through this and I wanna land in a place about confession. Because the message of divine mercy is simply this. Jesus is saying to St. Faustina in, in so many different ways, using more than just his own voice, you get this diary, and I just highly recommend you get this diary. Any Catholic bookstore, at Incarnate Word, right across the street, great Catholic bookstore, and it only costs like $10, but consistently, you will hear from Jesus, but you'll hear from the Blessed Mother, St. Faustina's guardian angel, St. Therese of Lisieux, the seven spirits that stand before the throne of God, I mean, St. Michael. But you will hear consistently Jesus come back to this message. I don't care what you did. I don't care what you did. I don't care what sins you have. In fact, the greater your sins are, the more my mercy is for you. But come on back. He wants a feast of divine mercy set up the Sunday after Easter, and it's an all call to all mankind, no matter how bad your sins are or you think they are, my mercy is infinite. You cannot fathom the depths of my mercy. And he gets really frustrated, and we wound Jesus when we don't accept his mercy, when we don't accept the graces that he sends us. St. Faustina was born in 1905. She only lived 33 years. In her early 20s, she gets tuberculosis. She's at a dance in Lodz. And I'm gonna read, this is, you get, you know, if you get this diary, in the first few pages, there's this wonderful, wonderful chronicle of her journey from the time she was born to the time she died, which by the way, is almost to the day, a year before, well, within a month, before the Nazis invade Poland. Next door, Adolf Hitler is making big plans. But after you get past this chronicle, right away, you get into the deep water with her. <laughs> so from the age of seven, this is paragraph seven, and the paragraphs are numbered, so, they're just great reference points. But from the age of seven, I experienced the definite call of God, the grace of a vocation to the religious life. It was in the seventh year of my life that for the first time I heard God's voice in my soul. And this is an invitation for a more perfect life. But her parents said no. She wanted from the age of seven to join a convent. They consistently said no. So she walks away from this. She gets to be a teenager. And then in just paragraph nine, she covers all that in eight. <laughs> in nine, she says, I was at a dance in Lodz 
with one of my sisters. Everybody was having a good time. My soul was experiencing deep torments. As I began to dance, I suddenly saw Jesus at my side. Jesus, racked with pain, stripped in his clothing, all covered with wounds, who spoke to me these words. And, and every time you hear from Jesus, they will be in big, dark, bold print. How long shall I put up with you? And how long will you keep putting me off? At that moment, the charming music stopped and the company I was with vanished from my sight. She leaves, she goes to Warsaw, takes a year, but she becomes Anna. And the journey begins. And it's a hard journey. I mean, think of it this way. So, you're a teenager, Jesus uh, is dancing with you, but as just like, he looks just like he's been scourged at the pillar. Have, have the image of the passion of, of Christ, that movie, that version of Jesus. And so now you're compelled to go become a nun. You become a nun. And then Jesus keeps telling you, okay, I want you to keep a diary. I want you to tell the world to do this chaplet of mercy. I want All these things, people just think she's nuts. Not everybody, though. God loved them. They, they, they actually are obedient to their own prayer and the guidance that Jesus gives them through uh, two of her confessors, most significant of which is Father Andres and um, Father Sopako, Father Sopako, S-O-P-O-K-O. Anyway, so here's what the Blessed Mother tells St. Faustina in paragraph 1415. I desire, my beloved daughter, that you practice the three virtues, virtues that are dearest to me and most pleasing to God. The first is humility, humility, I say again, humility. The second virtue, purity. The third, love of God. But it's pretty clear that the Blessed Mother is big on humility. So is her son, so is Saint Joseph, who saves the Holy Family three different times without ever saying a word. And our God is so humble that he comes to us as a baby and dies without ever going more than, a, I don't know, 50, 60 miles from where he's born. It's about humility. And ours is a generation that just doesn't understand humility anymore. I remember when I was working for Scott Connell, one, he was on vacation, and back in the day, you know, I'd have to get up at like 12.30 in the morning to go be at work at two o'clock. And as I'm getting ready, I used to have like, uh, for a while, I had the, the game show network on. And on this one morning, they're rerunning something from uh, a game show in the 1950s where they're pulling people in from the audience. And it was striking to me how camera shy all these people were. They were just so humble. They were so shy. Today, you stick a camera in front of a teenager or anybody else, really, and they're not that shy. They're totally camera ready. There's no shyness. Shyness is gone. This is a very proud generation. And it runs counter to the message that the Blessed Mother has for us. So the things I want to cover today, the importance of divine mercy in this moment, Jesus' call 
to St. Faustina for divine mercy and graces in love, those three things. Jesus uh, is speaking to us in this moment about divine mercy. He's also calling to us through St. Faustina and the um, Divine Mercy Sunday and graces in love. So here's the first section, the importance of divine mercy in this current moment. This is from paragraph 83. And again, I really think everybody should have a copy of this. It'd be fun if I came back sometime and we just went through these passages together. So this is Jesus, and this is only paragraph 83. Write this down. Before I re... re <laughs> that's pretty clear. Now this is Jesus speaking. Write this down. Before I return as the just judge, I am coming first as the king of mercy. Before the day of justice arrives, there will be given to the people a sign in the heavens of this sort. All the light in the heavens will be extinguished, and there will be great darkness over the whole earth. Then the sign of the cross will be seen in the sky, and from the openings where the hands of the feet of the Savior were nailed will come forth great lights, which will light up the earth for a period of time. This will take short place shortly before the last day. There's no reading between the lines here. This is Poland, 10 minutes from the beginning of the invasion of the Nazis. But she's a prophet. It's a message for our time too. When Nashville happened this week, did you feel it getting a little darker out there? I told my, I have high school students once a month, I practice jumping out the window onto the grass right outside our window. Just that's our escape plan. When this happened this week, I said, in my life, by the time I was your age, this had happened one time. Somebody climbed a tower at the University of Texas. But in 1999, Columbine happens. And since then, what have we had? Hundreds and hundreds, are we coming up on a thousand mass shootings? I know we've had well over 200 children, students murdered. This is a dark time. I'm called to talk about severe weather like we had yesterday, like we had this week in Nashville. And it's not just Jesus. This is from the Blessed Mother. This is paragraph 635. I could probably quote this almost verbatim. Oh, how pleasing to God is the soul that follows faithfully the inspirations of his grace. I gave the Savior to the world. As for you, you have to speak to the world about his great mercy and prepare the world for the second coming of him who will come, not as a merciful Savior, but as a just judge. Oh, how terrible is that day. Determined is the day of justice, the day of divine wrath. The angels tremble before it. Speak to souls about this great mercy while it is still the time for granting mercy. If you keep silent now, you will be answering for a great number of souls on that terrible day. Fear nothing, be faithful until the end. I sympathize with you. Again, there's not much in between these lines. It is a great, and terrible day, the day of justice. The angels tremble before it. Here's what Jesus says. Here's what his mother says. What they're both saying is, it's, 
it's not something out there for us to just forget about. The day of justice is going to come. Now when? I don't know. Jesus didn't know. He ascends into heaven. And they ask him, well, well, you know, when are you coming back? I don't know. Father's reserved that to himself. But at the same time, I cannot tell you on Tuesday when we have the same kind of system come through here, I cannot tell you at St. Cletus exactly what time you're going to have a severe storm if you have a severe storm. I can just tell you the atmosphere is going to be repeating this process pretty much the same way. So we don't know when Jesus is going to return. And we don't know when the day of justice is going to be. But he's worked hard at staying in touch with us. We have this scripture. We have this diary. We have a God who loves us so much he comes to us as a baby. And he sends us prophets. Another prophet in our own lifetime is St. Pope John Paul II. This is paragraph 1732 in this diary. Jesus says to St. Faustina, I bear a special love for Poland, and if she will be obedient to my will, I will exalt her in might and holiness. From her will come forth the spark that will prepare the world for my final coming. He's talking in 1938 about St. Pope John Paul II, who in 1938 is a high school student in Poland, not far from her, not far from St. Maximilian Kolbe, not far from St. Benedicta. Two of those three people are going to go to Auschwitz and die. Jesus is calling us to his divine mercy always. And I had a conversation with a great late Father Viles once, and he said, Mike, the, the Sunday after Easter has always been Divine Mercy Sunday. But Jesus made it clear, if you accept this, and this is a personal revelation, you're not obligated to accept this, but if you do, Get on board with this idea that Jesus calls again and again and again for this Sunday after Easter to be the Feast of Divine Mercy. Paint an image. This is paragraph 47, 48, and 49. These are the direct words of Jesus for direct actions he wants St. Faustina to take. Paint an image according to the pattern you see with the signature, Jesus, I trust in you. I desire that this image be venerated first in your chapel and then throughout the world. I promise that the soul that will venerate this image will not perish. I also promise victory over its enemies already here on earth, especially at the hour of death. I myself will defend it as my own glory. My image there's going to be a point where she tells Father Sapaco, and this is uh, great. She has Father Andres initially, and then she has Father Sapaco, and both of these priests are going to help her. Her superior, Mother Michael, is going to help her, but especially Father Sapaco. So when he's first pulled into this, now, 
remember, he's, I'm a priest, I'm doing my thing, and then this nun comes in and tells me, wait, what? So he's trying to process this, and this is one of her earliest conversations. We're at paragraphs 49 and 50 here, and um, he says, ah, no, sister, Jesus, he's got to be thinking, is she really hearing this? Well, Jesus is talking about the immediate soul. So she gets out of the confessional, and immediately she bumps into Jesus, and he says, no, my image is already in your soul. I desire that there be a feast of mercy. I want this image which you will paint with a brush to be solemnly blessed on the first Sunday after Easter. That Sunday is to be the feast of mercy. I desire that priests proclaim this great mercy of mine towards souls of sinners. Let the sinner not be afraid to approach me. The flames of my mercy are burning me, clamoring to be spent. I want to pour them out upon these souls. There are 1,800 paragraphs. We're on paragraph 49 and 50. The, re- the rest of this journey is astounding. I mean, I'm just thinking of this. There's one point where she's on a train, and in her little cubicle compartment is one of the seven spirits that stands constantly before God, praising God. But oh, now this, this spirit is with St. Faustina. And she said, I noticed that every time we passed a church, there was an angel on top of the church that bowed to the spirit in my compartment. Now, what? <laughs> There's a lot going on in this little four-sentence paragraph. Uh, first of all, if you take her at her word, there's, a, there's an angel up here watching over St. Cletus and all of the Catholic churches. Doesn't that make sense? We have Jesus with us right now. Then he goes on in paragraph 50. This is Jesus. Distrust on the part of sinners is burning my insides. The distrust of a chosen soul causes me even greater pain. Now he's distinguishing between Uh, those who are making a comeback, and those who are chosen souls, which is us, you guys. Well, in both cases, I suppose. The distrust of a chosen soul causes me even greater pain. Despite my inexhaustible love for them, they do not trust me. Even my death is not enough for them. Woe to the soul that abuses these gifts. How are we chosen souls abusing these gifts? How are we not trusting? Well, have you been in this moment? where you've had some doubt? I have. Father Chris Martin, uh, his mom is in a prayer group that I was in for 20 years at Incarnate Word. This This is what he says about distrust of Jesus. He said, it's like we're looking at the crucifix and we're bringing our problems to Jesus and then we just don't trust him. And it's like we're looking at the crucifix and we're saying, yeah, but I need more. Do we really feel that way? No. But we just don't always work through the walls of anxiety and fear to get to the logical conclusion, oh, that's right. It's Jesus. He loves me infinitely. His mercy is infinite. And so 
He's a big God. He can handle it. But when we don't trust in these really small things, we fail uh, in ways that have unintended consequences. My daughter, <coughs> this is Jesus again, my daughter, tell the whole world about my inconceivable mercy. I desire that the Feast of Mercy be a refuge. That's an intentional word by Jesus. A refuge. In your mind, what is a refuge for you? A refuge and shelter for all souls and especially poor sinners. On that day, the very depths of my tender mercy are open. I pour out a whole ocean of graces upon those souls that approach the font of my mercy. And the soul that will go to confession and receive Holy Communion shall obtain complete forgiveness of sins and punishment. On that day, all the divine floodgates through which graces flow are open. Let no soul fear to draw near to me, even though its sins be as scarlet. My mercy is so great that no mind be it of man or angel, will be able to fathom it through all of eternity. We're not far from Auschwitz here, where she is physically. We have St. Maximilian Kolbe, who will spend his whole life doing so many things, without being a martyr, he would have been a great saint. But he's told early on in his life, when he decides, the Blessed Mother appears to him and, and she offers him either a white or a red crown. Righteousness, martyrdom. He said, I'll take them both. So one of the things that he spends his life doing, he's asking himself every day, who are you, O Immaculate Conception? When Mary appears at Lourdes to St. Bernadette, and she has a number of these apparitions. She asks her regularly, who are you? And finally, the Blessed Mother says, I am the Immaculate Conception. I am the Immaculate Conception. This is 1858. Four years earlier, Pope Pius IX wrote the dogma on the Immaculate Conception, that Mary was conceived immaculately without sin in the womb of Saint Anne. So Mary appears at Lourdes and says, I am the Immaculate Conception. And from that point on, through Maximilian Kolbe, nobody can figure out what does this mean? She was immaculately conceived. Sure, got that. That makes sense. So was Jesus. So was John the Baptist. But how is Mary the immaculate conception? And then he figures it out. Oh, wait. The Holy Spirit descends into the womb of St. Anne. Mary is immaculately conceived so she is the created immaculate conception, and the Holy Spirit is the uncreated immaculate conception. Four hours later, the Nazis knock on the door and haul him off to Auschwitz where he dies. Auschwitz, St. Benedicta, St. Maximilian Kolbe, how many millions? After World War II, 
the last commandant of Auschwitz bumps into a Jesuit priest. Actually, he has some thought that maybe I did something wrong here. And he searches for a Jesuit priest that he'd had earlier in his life, and that Jesuit priest brings him back. And here's his confession. When Jesus says in this passage, you cannot conceive of my infinite mercy, maybe that's a good place to try to wrap your mind around it. Are you kidding me? The guy who ran Auschwitz can be forgiven? I don't know what his purgatorial journey is like, but yeah. Everything that exists, this is the same paragraph, Everything that exists, everything that exists, not just you and me, not just our sweet dogs, not just our grandbabies, everything, this podium, those pews, those trees, that wind, everything that exists comes forth from the very depths of my most tender mercy. Every soul in relation to me will contemplate my love and mercy throughout eternity. The feast of mercy emerged from my very depths of tenderness. It is my desire that it be solemnly celebrated on the first Sunday after Easter. Mankind will not have peace until it turns to the font of my mercy. So Jesus gives St. Faustina this chaplet of divine mercy. I sometimes wonder if one of the reasons is because we're all so busy, it's hard to squeeze in a rosary. But you can knock this chaplet out in about eight minutes. I don't know if you're going really fast, maybe even faster. <laughs> uh, I believe I squeezed it into a few breaks when I was on the air at Channel 5. St. Faustina is given the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. This is the moment in history where she gets it. And again, let's remember, the Nazis are right next door. And I, I just tell you one little quick story. I was, when I was working at Channel 5, I had this guy call me and he says, his name is Alexander um, Perez and he has a very thick Eastern European accent. And I said, oh, okay, well. He wants to convert 55 degrees below zero Fahrenheit to centigrade. And I said, well, why? He tells me that he was a Polish Jew. And uh, I said, a Polish Jew named Perez? And he said, well, my name is really Alexander Pazanczewski. He was a teenage Polish Jew. When the Nazis invade Poland, he goes into Russia and every critical step of the way, he said an angel appeared to tell him what to do at one point, telling him to tell everybody you're a Catholic. But he does get captured, and he ends up in, in the, some cold prison in si Siberia, where until Poland starts winning against the Russians, he exists. I mean, there, there, hardly any winter clothes. Most of the people that he's with are dying, but he survives because he's young, he's strong, he's a teenager. And then he's put into a force that goes back and occupies, reoccupies his own hometown with these Polish troops as they drive the Nazis out of Germany. His whole family that stayed, they all died. But why, why didn't they go with him? Well, 
in World War I, Germany is a not so violent occupying force as opposed to the Russians. So there are debates in, in these shtetls and cities and villages, uh, in Yiddish, uh, a small village is a shtetl, the conversations with the old and the young went like this. Oh, we, you know, we're going to have one or the other. We're either going to have the Russians or the, or the Germans. In, in World War I, the Germans were a lot nicer. So the older folks want to let the Germans just come in. That's the mindset for the people around St. Faustina. But we know. So this is the paragraph before she gets the Chaplet of Mercy. In the evening, when I was in my cell, I saw an angel, the executive of divine wrath. He was clothed in, a, clothed in a dazzling robe. His face was gloriously bright, a cloud beneath his feet. From the cloud, bolts of thunder and flashes of lightning were springing from his hands, and from his hand they were going forth, and only when they were striking the earth, only then were they striking the earth. When I saw the sign of divine wrath, which was about to strike the earth, and in particular, a certain place which I, for good reasons, cannot name. She's talking about Poland. I began to implore the angel to hold off for a few moments, and the world would do penance. But my plea was a mere nothing in the face of the divine anger. Just then, I saw the most holy trinity. The greatness of its majesty pierced me deeply, and I did not dare to repeat my entreaties. At the very moment, I felt in my soul the power of Jesus' grace which dwells within my soul. When I became conscious of this grace, I was instantly snatched up before the throne of God. Oh, how great is our Lord and God, and how incomprehensible is His holiness. I will make no attempt to describe this greatness, because before long we shall all see Him as He is. I found myself pleading with God for the world with words that I heard interiorly. As I was praying in this manner, I saw the angel's helplessness. He could not carry out the just punishment that was rightly due for our sins. Never before had I prayed with such inner power as I did then. These words with which I entreated God are, Eternal Father, I offer you the body and the blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, for our sins and those of the whole world, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us. And that's it. She's going to get it later, and some of these other words will be added. Right before the Nazis invade Poland. The next morning, when I entered the chapel, I heard these words. Every time you go to the chapel, immediately recite the prayer which I taught you yesterday. When I said the prayer, in my soul, I heard these words. This prayer will serve to appease my wrath. You will recite it for nine days on the beads of the rosary in the following manner. First of all, you will say, on the Our Father, and the Hail Mary beads, the I believe in God, then the Our Father. You will say on the follow, and then the, Our, the Hail Mary, and then the, first of all, you will say on the Our Father and Hail Mary, the I believe, and then on the Our Father beads, you will say the following words. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. Now that part was added to what we have here. So she's given the chaplet of mercy. On the Hail Mary bees, 
you will say the following words, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. And in conclusion, three times you will recite these words, holy God, holy mighty one, holy immortal one, have mercy on us and on the whole world. So she's given this chaplet to appease God's wrath. She's given this chaplet. We're gonna find out over and over and over again for other purposes. We'll see in a moment. Once I was going down the hall to the kitchen and I heard these words. Say unceasingly the chaplet that I have taught you. Whoever will recite it will receive great mercy at the hour of death. Priests will recommend it to sinners as their last hope of salvation, even if there were a sinner most hardened. Even if he were to recite this, if he were to recite this chaplet only once, he would receive grace from my infinite mercy. I desire that the whole world know my infinite mercy. I desire to grant unimaginable graces to those souls who trust in my mercy. Divine wrath, hour of death. Two reasons. If you need Jesus, you say this chaplet. Any reason is enough. Because his infinite mercy is just that. Now I want to talk about graces and love. And this is where I would say um, we need to think about St. Faustina potentially as a doctor of the church. Now I, I, I just wanted to make note of this. I read. There was this um, priest visiting incarnate word from St. Anselm next door. And he was talking, he came to visit and he was so funny. St. Augustine, I mean, Father Augustine. Does anybody know Father Augustine over there? Okay, so uh, he comes and you, so you know how funny he is. So now I'm, I'm saying this is like 20 years ago. So he says, uh, well, you know, when I was in college, I had a roommate and my roommate wanted to go off to college or go off after college and become a famous actor. Well, he did. And when I finished, I wanted to do this. But when I, when I finished my journey to become a Benedictine, uh, they said, well, take a year and figure out if this is what you want to do. So I took a year and when I was done, my friend had become this big star, so he wants to throw a party for me. So I go to New York, he's got this penthouse in New York. He wants to have a party. I'm, I'm, I'm there for a week. And as we're coming up close to this party, my friend says to me, look, there's gonna be a lot of people here. Just if you hear something that you struggle with, just let it go. So I found myself sitting on a couch with this beautiful young woman with all these diamonds on, on, on her necklace. And she was the daughter of a wealthy family who made money from the diamond industry. And she said, Father, isn't it enough just to be nice? And I wanted to say, yes, it is enough just to be nice. But the Holy Spirit got into me and I stood up and I said, no, it is not enough to be nice. We are all called to be saints. And he said it was like in a movie. Like all this music stopped and my friend across the room is looking at me going like, really? <laughs> but we are all called to be saints. We are all called to be saints and it's not the case that every four or 500 years, Jesus or the Blessed Mother appears to some little kid someplace and then that's it, we never hear from him again. We're all called to be saints and so we're made in the image and likeness of God and so every single minute of every day, the Lord is talking to us. We're really good at prayer to him, but what's the journey in every relationship that deepens it? Ah, the listening part. 
how good are we at listening in our prayer? But because we don't always listen so much, the Lord, and especially his mom, have worked hard to reach out to us. Our Lady of Allah Salet appears to us in, well, I've skipped Our Lady of Guadalupe here. I just wanted to get us close to a, a century nearer us. 1846, Our Lady of La Salette. She's appearing to three little kids around, outside La Salette, and she's crying. She has her face in her hands, and she's crying, and they ask why, and she says, because people in your town just have such disregard for my son and for the Sabbath. In 1848, we have the dogma of the Immaculate Conceptions. Four years later, the Blessed Mother appears at Our Lady of Lourdes. I am the Immaculate Conception. In 1884, a vision for Pope Leo XIII. He's saying Mass, he has a vision, he hears Satan talking to God, Satan saying, these people, they, you, you don't, they're not entirely free to do what they want. And so Jesus says, all right, let them, you can have them for a century. What happens between 1884 and 1984? And are we out of that 100-year period yet? I don't think so. So immediately afterward, that guy writes the prayer to St. Michael. 1884, we get the prayer of St. Michael. 1917, Our Lady of Fatima appears to three little kids and says, you know, Rush is the problem here. When Lucia, St. Lucia, when she... Nobody was, Russia? Russia's a great Catholic nation. This is before Red October. There's a Catholic family running Russia that's all gonna be murdered and then we're gonna have the Russian Revolution. And she says, until you consecrate your nation to my, my immaculate heart, you will not have peace. There will be another war. This war has just, isn't even close to being finished. She's predicting another worse war. She also tells Lucia that there's going to be a pope someday that's going to be murdered. So right after Fatima, St. Faustina dies 11 years later. World War II starts a year after that. Then we have the Holocaust. Then we have Vatican II ratified. Then we have Humanae Vitae, Roe v. Wade, Pope John Paul II. Pope John Paul II is shot. After he's recovering, he goes. He goes and says, and, and to Our, Our Lady of Fatima. So if you boil these all down, here, the, here are all of them. I just wanted to have you take a look. La Salette, she's crying. In, 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 in Lourdes, she's saying, I am the Immaculate Conception. And in 1884, we get the prayer of St. Michael. And in 1917, Mary comes to us and says, beware Russia. One year ago, Russia's going into the Ukraine. They're not done spreading their errors. St. Faustina is given this prayer intentionally for the first time in paragraph 84. O blood and water which gush forth from the heart of Jesus is a font of mercy for us, I trust in you. If we don't have any other time for anything else, including the chaplet, there's not time for a rosary, I don't have time even for the chaplet, say this prayer. Say this prayer. O blood and water 
which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus as a font of mercy for us, I trust in you. Because what's happening here? All of the things in this diary get boiled down to just this one prayer. I am so blessed to be married to Karen Roberts. I mean, we had lunch a, a little over a year after my first wife, Anne, passed away, and in three hours, it was a three-hour lunch, I, we were downloaded a 30-year marriage. I know the Blessed Mother and Anne led us to that moment. We both know that. And by the way, when I went over to ask her out, I was like living in Chesterfield for 25 years, and she told me she lived in Alton. I, I'm like... Are there wild animals? Do they speak English over there? I don't know. It's so far away. To this day, all my friends from Chesterfield, I'm like, you want to come over for lunch? Yeah, but you're in Illinois. Illinois is across the river. <laughs> so, but I was that guy. So I go over there, uh, and she wants to stop by her church. What's the name of your church? Immaculate Conception. I know. How cool is that? But, Anne, I wish you could have met Anne. I, at her funeral, I said, you know, she was like a really funny St. Therese of Lisieux. I mean, she could pick your buttons apart, just tear them open and just go in there with humor. But then when she was in there, she'd give you the Holy Spirit. And before you know it, you're just getting this, this full-on fire hose worth of the Holy Spirit with humor. And the thing about it was that it was never her. It was just, she was just a vessel for it. But what always was amazed me, and I just couldn't compete with this, is she could remember, like, if she, if she met you, after her five-minute conversation, you see her two years later, she's going to remember your name, your husband's name, your kid's name, where you work, the whole thing. I mean... I'm not even sure what parish I'm at right now. You know, she, but I used to marvel, how do you remember all of this? But the reason was, she was fully present in the moment. That's a good aspiration. You hear that all the time. Try to be fully present in the moment. But how did she get there? She had complete and total faith. And when, she, when you have complete and total faith, you don't worry about the past. The Oblates of the Virgin Mary, thanks to Venerable Father Brulon Terry, ha 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 Father had this great saying, leave the past, leave the past to God's mercy, the future to his providence, providence, and just walk with Jesus in the moment. Well, that's what Anne did. She was fully present in the moment. She had no worries about the past, no worries about the future. It used to just drive me nuts. Admittedly, a short drive. But we're called to have full presence in the moment. This is from Venerable Fa Father Bruno Lenteri, and I found this on the back of the prayer card of Father Paul uh, Callow, who is our campus minister right now at, at um, Marquette Catholic High School. Isn't this beautiful? And if he, this is talking about confession. And if he should still struggle, with the difficulty of examination and contrition, I would tell him that rather than not coming, to come without examination, I will examine his conscience. Come without contrition, 
we will weep together over his sins and he will return content in the grace of God. Guys, these sins we commit so easily, so freely, wound Jesus. I have another, uh, Father, Father Finbar, I had a conversation with him once, and I told him my theory. I said, "What you want to hear my theory?" And I'm, I'm, he's, he's like, "Okay." <laughs> but I said, "Okay, say so here's my theory. Jesus, the Son of God, is still hanging on the cross. Now, Jesus, the Son of Man, died two thousand years ago, but Jesus, the Son of God, is still hanging on the ground and he, uh, on the cross, and he has to until all mankind has come into this world and sinned and died." And he said, you sound like a very intelligent eighth grader. But I still maintain that, I still believe that. And in, in this diary, Jesus is always talking to St. Faustina about his suffering in the present tense. When you sin, you cause me suffering. These sins cause me suffering. The distrust of chosen souls causes me suffering. Imagine that. Our sins cause Jesus to suffer. Even Jesus himself speaks in the present tense. Even God, when God appears to Moses, well, who should I tell these guys you are? I am who am. That's not bad grammar. I am who am. And it makes sense. If this is an infinite being, there is no past, there is no future, there's just the moment. I am. If Jesus is the Son of God, He's infinite. It kind of makes metaphysical physics sense. He'd have to still be hanging on the cross until all of us are done singing. Sinning. He has, my singing is kind of a sin, really. Uh, you know, he has to take, he has to be up there so when I flip the bird off to somebody on the way home from here, uh, you know, I, he has to, until I'm done, until my great, 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 great grandkids are done. But that, I've wandered a field here. Let's just back up to the moment that our sins cause Jesus to suffer because he hasn't done enough. Now, this is where I transition into how I, I, I could make the case that at a minimum you could teach the, these paragraphs I've got here at the seminary for a semester. First of all, this is paragraph 389, love. It's not a long paragraph, but read this carefully. There's a lot in here. Love must be reciprocal. If Jesus tasted the fullness of bitterness for me, then I, his bride, will accept all his bitterness as proof of my love for him. She, she has another vision um, where of people with crosses. Some are hanging on their crosses. Some are carrying their crosses close to their hearts and some are dragging their crosses in the dirt. Chuck Neff, a great friend of mine, I just saw Chuck this week, he told me he was at a talk up in Chicago that he was emceeing, and he said, you know, the Father said, you gotta think about these crosses that you're given. They're from Jesus. They are shaped for you, measured for you, sculpted for you, as gifts for you. How are we at carrying our crosses out of love for Jesus? 
Are we this? Are we this? Are we dragging them in the mud? Are we all three? I think I've been all three. Here's the phrase, bitching and moaning. <laughs> My, I, was, we were, I, don't, I don't even know what we were getting ready for this week. Um, but I was, you know, my knee was hurt, and I tweaked my knee last Sunday and uh, got these teenagers trying to kill me every day. And I, I whatever we were going to do, I said, what do you think? And, my, and Karen said, well, I just hope you do it without whining. <laughs> but that's dragging my cross. Forgiveness. Paragraph 390. So this is paragraph 389. This is paragraph 390. He who, for, he who knows how to forgive prepares for himself many graces from God. As often as I look upon the cross, so often will I forgive all with all of my heart. Guy cuts me off on the road. I, you know, I can, okay. Maybe he's just got this important, maybe his wife is dying. In Nashville right now, there are people bearing their kids, their loved ones. How do you forgive that? There's another thing Jesus tells St. Faustina, without my graces, you are not capable of accepting my graces. How do you forgive Nashville? How do you forgive the Holocaust? I had, I grew up in suburban Detroit. I had so, I went to an all, almost all Jewish public school. So many of my friends, descendants of the Holocaust, and they anglicized their last names. Not only for that, a lot of it was just one of the lessons you learn as a Jewish person after World War II is, well, you don't want to be in a phone book with an obvious Jewish name. So Schwartz becomes Smith. I think the bigger thing was, it was like, well, where was the mercy of God? If, if he's such a great God, how did he let this happen? How do, you, how do you forgive the Holocaust? Our baptism. Through holy baptism, we entered into union with other souls. Okay, let's just stop there. There's a lot going on in that one sentence. Through holy baptism, we entered into union with other souls. That water, now we're united with other souls. Death, the other end of the spectrum, death tightens the bonds of love. I ought to always be of help to others. If I am a good religious, I will be useful, not only to the order, but to the whole country as well. Couldn't you spend a week just talking about this paragraph? 392, here's a month. The Lord grants his graces in two ways, by inspiration and enlightenment. Okay, two ways, got it, inspiration and enlightenment. But then she says, if we ask God for a certain grace, he will give it to us, but let us be willing to accept it. Okay, give me a grace, it's like ice cream, I'll take it, uh, but, but, in order to accept it, self-denial is needed. It's all I can do to get through Lent. I gave up YouTube. 
And in order to accept it, self-denial is needed. Love does not consist in words or feelings, but in deeds. It is an act of the will. It is a gift, that is to say, a giving. St. James tells us, work without, faith without works is dead. If you're in a relationship with somebody and you never do anything, you never take this person to dinner, you never buy them a ring, you never buy them, a, you never do anything. You just say, you know what, man, I love you. Are you, it's nothing. There's nothing there, just blow it away. It is an act, love is an act of the will. It is a gift. It is a giving. And our journey of love from our God is give first, ask questions later. I'm just going to come to you as a baby. I'm going to live, love, teach, suffer, and die for you. We'll figure out the rest later. I'm just going to say yes to let this baby come in. We have no proof that if Mary says, ah, this, I know, that there's going to be some other girl. It is, love is a gift, a selfless gift. And so these are the, the Lord grants his graces in two ways, inspiration and enlightenment. Then she says, the reason, the will, the heart. These three faculties must be exercised during prayer. When we were saying the rosary, were we, were we using all of these? Were we using all three of these? Reason, heart, will. I will rise from the dead in Jesus, but first I must live in him. So the resurrection, we're going to rise with Jesus. All we got to do is do that one thing he said, love one another as I have loved you. That's the only standard, just do that. I will rise from the dead, but first I must live in him. If I do not separate myself from the cross, then the gospel will be revealed in me. Jesus in me makes up for all my deficiencies. His grace operates without ceasing. We accept our cross. When we accept our cross, embrace our cross, hang on our cross, then those graces we received aren't wasted. They work through us. And they work through us unceasingly. The Holy Trinity grants me its life abundantly by the gift of the Holy Spirit. The three divine persons live in me. When God loves, he loves with all of his being, with all of the power of his being. If God has loved me in this way, how should I respond? I, his spouse. So you guys are chosen souls. You're not here because you saw something in the bulletin. You're not here because, just I wonder whatever happened to that goofball from Channel 5. You're here because you were chosen. You were chosen. I tell that to my seniors. You're not here because you just signed up on, in this class because I'm an easy A, because I am. You were chosen. Chosen souls are in my hand lights which I cast into the darkness of the world with which I illuminate. As stars illumine the night, so chosen souls should illumine the earth. 
And the more perfect a soul is, the stronger and more far-reaching is the light shed by it. It can be hidden and unknown even to those closest to it. And yet its holiness is reflected in souls even to the most distant extremities of the world. I know you never met Ann Roberts, but you're meeting her now. Her love wasn't her love, just like moonlight is really sunlight that bounces off the moon onto our faces. Anne's love was really God's love going through her heart to everyone she met, and now you. It was never hers in the first place. That's how this can happen. She died, I don't know, 10 years ago. How can this be? Because it's love. In the end, three things last. Faith, hope, love, the greatest of these is love. This is not her love, it's not my love, it's God's love, it's the Holy Spirit. Chosen souls, we need confession. This is Jesus speaking. Daughter, when you go to confession, to this fountain of my mercy, the blood and water which came forth from my heart always flows down your soul and ennobles it. Every time you go to confession, immerse yourself entirely in my mercy with great trust, so that I may pour the bounty of my grace upon your soul. When you approach the confessional, know this, that I myself am waiting there for you. I am only hidden by the priest, but I myself act in your soul. We got a tabernacle with a little red candle that shows us Jesus is in here. But he's in there. He looks like your priest. You go in there, Hey, Father, are we going to do a shovel in the snow next time it snows? It's never going to snow again. That guy is Jesus in there right now. This is still Jesus speaking. Paragraph 1601, in confession. Here, in confession, the misery of the soul meets the God of mercy. Tell souls that from this font of my mercy, souls draw graces solely with a vessel of trust. If their trust is great, there is no limit to my generosity. The torrents of grace inundate, inundated humble souls. The proud remain always in poverty and misery because my grace turns away from them to humble souls. Oh, really? You don't want my graces? Sorry. There you go. I'll give it to somebody else. Another thing that um, St. Faustina says, each moment has its own graces. Each moment, the moments we're in right now, each moment has its own graces. Use them, don't use them. Don't use them, they're sealed in that moment forever. So let's pray the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. Shall we? Okay, I'm gonna use just the simple form that we have here, there are other, you get a pamphlet back there, there's a, there's, a there's a paragraph in the diary that's before that chaplet, so that's a legit thing, and after. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thine kingdom come, thine will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I believe in God the Father, the Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and the blood, the soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and the blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake, I'm sorry, Eternal Father, I offer you the body and the blood, the soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. 
for the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and the blood, the soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and the blood, the soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. For the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. Holy God, Holy Mighty One, Holy Immortal One, have mercy on us and on the whole world. O blood and water, which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus as a font of mercy for us. I trust in you. Let's remember that another thing Jesus says is that in the hour of divine mercy, three o'clock hour, acknowledge that moment. It's great if you can say a prayer, a chaplet. It's great if you can visit a chapel, but even if you don't have time for anything, just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving me so much. God bless everybody. Thank you all for being here. And have a great weekend. Bob and Miss Mary, thank you. Sure, does anybody have any questions? If I, I'm a meteorologist, if I don't know the answer, I'll just make some stuff up. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know about, yeah, there's always a promise associated with the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. And I, I can only tell you, I'm not, his question was, was there a promise associated with saying the chaplet for the souls in purgatory? St. Faustina, her guardian angel, takes her all over the place, but one of the places he takes her, he takes her to heaven, he takes her to hell, and he takes her to purgatory. And when he takes her to purgatory, there 
she sees the Blessed Mother interacting with the holy souls in purgatory, and there they call her the Star of the Sea. So for my own purposes, based on that, I always say, you know, uh, Blessed Mother, Star of the Sea, I pray that you just comfort the holy souls in purgatory. And then I say the prayer of St. Gertrude. And, and as long as we're here, Eternal Father, I offer thee the most precious blood of thy divine Son, Jesus, in union with the Mass that said throughout the world today for all the holy souls in purgatory, sinners everywhere, sinners in the universal church, in my own home, and in my family. So I say that, but I think um, that's as much I, as I know about that answer. <laughs> yes, anybody else? Did I used to be taller on television? Yes, I was six foot four. <laughs> what happened? All right, well, thanks so much for your time, you guys. Pick yourself up a diary, they're like 10 bucks. I don't get any money for this. And have a blessed weekend. And a, and a great conclusion to your Lenten journey. Bye, guys.